For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Final four week is here. Basketball and hockey playoffs are right around the corner, and it's baseball opening day. Whether you root for San Diego, Atlanta, Houston, or Los Angeles, BetOnline Sportsbook has all the odds, props, promos, and parlays for you during this massive week of sports. Use our promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online where the game starts. Hello? Hey Kyle, how you doing buddy? I'm doing great, Razor. How are you? Doing pretty well. Nice weather here. I'll give you my Chapel Hill weather report. 71 and sunny. <laughs> Congratulations. You've made it to spring. Yeah, it's a long winter here sometimes with a lot of rain, but uh, and, and 40s and 30s at times. But uh, yeah, we're in good we're in good conditions right now. Is your son doing okay? Uh yeah, I mean it sucks, but you know, he's He's in school in a wheelchair, which is huge. The last, you know, several days he's been there and um, just got to get like got to get to, you know, May 10th. That's kind of when things really should feel normal for him. Like boot, boot, boot is May 10th. So short cast is like April 6th, then short cast from April 6th to May 10th. And the boot is one of those things he can walk on and feel a little normal. So, um yeah, so we're, we're kind of kind of targeting the next six weeks as uh, you know a goal to get better. Yeah, it's going to be like an eight week process until it can really start to feel kind of normal. Yeah, I mean it's a it's uh, bro that bone needs to needs to regrow. Unfortunately, at least he's young. Young bones are better than my bones, so um, <laughs> it would be pretty devastating if I broke that 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 that, that bone. I think my recovery would be another. Probably, gosh, maybe more like two more extra months. Who knows? Mm. Well, hoping for the best for him and so that everything goes well for you. Uh, In in the last couple weeks, it's been uh, it's been quite the journey. It's been quite the uh, (laughs) quite the college basketball journey and quite the journey in your own life at this point, because for people creeping track at home, I just got to get this out here. Just the incredible probabilities of. Razor, born and or I don't know, born, but raised in Boca Raton, Florida, home of Florida Atlantic, making their first Final Four run, went to NC State, obviously moved away from home up north. Myself, born in San Diego, five minutes away from San Diego State, move up north to Sacramento, and both of our hometown teams are now in the Final Four playing each other. It's just kind of ridiculous how that worked out. You know, it, it, it's funny. I, I grew up about five miles from the FAU campus, and I'm kind of angry, Kyle, and I'm also very happy for this university. I'm angry because they have no resources to be where they are. Nobody cares about this team, whether it was when I was in high school in the late 90s or mid-90s, and no one really cared up until about six weeks ago uh, <laughs> for this team when they were making an incredible run and dominating the CUSA. But yet my alma mater, who has every resource, uh, is struggling to enter the field of 68. But FAU said the final four. It truly doesn't make sense. But and you know what I was thinking a couple of days that the regular season, Kyle, it just doesn't mean anything like all these battles in the Big Ten and the Big 12. And what does it matter? It matters. Nothing matters. You just It's like, yes, it matters because you have to enter the field. 
But what does it matter now? It's like every all these incredible games that Kansas won in Lawrence and UConn obviously won in stores. That matters because they're in the Final Four. Bad example there. But, you know, Michigan State's heartbreaking yeah. defeat to Iowa, you know, Texas versus Baylor. It meant nothing. It means it's just crazy. Um, it feels like it only means something if the Blue Bloods, you know, find their way into the Sweet 16 Elite Eight or further. Um, so I'm more of a blue blood guy. I honestly have very little interest in watching FAU San Diego State on Saturday night. I'll watch it because you have to, right? It's like a rite of passage to watch the Final Four if you're a sports fan or a betting fan. But I, I'm not excited, Kyle. I mean, last year we were given blue blood heaven this year. Uh, not so much. But I got to say this. Listen, Miami is a really good basketball team. I, I had them as probably the, you know, the clear cut number one team for so many times that I've come on your podcast or I've done other type of podcasts. Listen, Virginia was tough, but they didn't have Miami's offensive capabilities. Right. Um, so this team is not that shocking. And then UConn. Hey, listen, UConn was incredible around Christmas time. They were kicking everybody's butts. And then like a lot of teams, they go through their growing pains where they struggled, you know, for three weeks or so. And they may have gone like three and five who I don't remember, but those two teams are acceptable in this dance. Now, San Diego state. I mean, let's just talk about this team. I mean, this team's <laughs> offense is just not attractive to me, but <laughs> they have played great defense for many years. And great defense has finally caught up, right? I mean, they held Alabama, what, to maybe a field goal for, for that seven, eight-minute stretch. That's not easy to do. And then Creighton, kind of the same thing at the end. Listen, I've been all over Creighton the last two months on your podcast. I felt good about Creighton beating San Diego State. I really thought this is it for San Diego State. Um, but Creighton ran into a wall like a lot of teams do against good defensive teams. So um, I'm happy about my Creighton prediction. That that kind of gave me an opportunity. I am going to win one pool uh, because I have Creighton and UConn and Texas in the Elite Eight. But my other five or six were just horrendous because I just went on a limb with those, you know, those three teams and Kansas State. So there was one pool, Kyle. I had KSU, Creighton, Texas, and UConn all in the Elite Eight. And all of them losing in that spot, I think. But all of them getting <laughs> to the Elite Eight. Um, so that was good. But other than that, like most of America, you know, I, my son probably could have filled out a better bracket. Yeah, I will. I will say there's one person in our bracket pool for work and extended out beyond that with a couple hundred people. Someone has San Diego State versus Miami in the championship, which is incredible. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I can't that could happen. It, yeah. it really could. And yeah, the. Okay, there's a couple things that I I thought you said that were really interesting. Like the part about Miami is that like for all the bluster about like oh this is a weak final four and all that. Miami was the regular season ACC champion. Yes, they and were. they've made They're it to team. the final four. It's it's just that this is like the worst ACC in 25 years. Yes. <laughs> they were like yes. I think Ken Palm had them as the 6th ranked or 7th ranked conference this year and it's just Miami is not a traditional college basketball powerhouse, but they won the ACC in a year that the ACC was down and then ended up running through the tournament. Obviously interesting. I love that when we did our crash course back in uh, February, my first joke was, huh, UConn's good at basketball again because I saw them yep. at the top of Ken Palm and now they're obviously running to the final four and the betting favorites to win it all. And UConn seems like they're the runaway favorites. I think they're like minus 170 or 200 to win the championship, not just beat Miami. They're like the runaway favorite to win the whole thing at this point. And to, to your point about Blue Bloods, I thought that was really interesting because it didn't pan out at the end. We got one big one, and that was Gonzaga-UCLA. Like That was one where the regular season matchups and the breakdowns did end up playing out for... What was, I mean, at this point, now we know the final four teams, the best game and the best matchup of the entire tournament just happened to be played in the Sweet 16. And I think that one ended up mattering. And then at the end, none of the, you know, blue blood regular season matchups mattered, but it did really matter when it came to Gonzaga UCLA. 
we were treated to some great games. Let's just put, let's just say this, like, yes, uh, as a blue blood fan, you know, you got to remember Kyle and, and to your listeners, I live in blue blood heaven. Okay. <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not even, I'm not including my school cause I'm not going to be that stupid, but I live, I live a mile from UNC and I live uh, 10 miles from Duke. So it's like, we're spoiled here, right? I want, I want to see, uh, not necessarily these teams make it because I hate both of these teams as a fan and alumni of the state, but you want to see that kind of name in there. Uh, at least I do, right? Um, but these games were great. There were some really exciting games like that San Diego State Creighton ending. How great was that? Kansas State FAU, I felt like could have gone down the wire, but it really, I mean, FAU just ran out, ran them out at the last, you know, minute and a half. I mean, there was just some. Really Same intriguing Miami. games. Miami too. I mean, Miami did it as well. I mean, I, I I thought it was a fun tournament. I just don't. I don't know. I don't have much excitement for the San Diego State <laughs> game coming up. But I also am very happy for the the the, the very few FAU alumni that care. Um, I'm sure this is just a, it's a once in a lifetime experience, right? And they need to go all out and they, they should be going to Houston. And I, I'm curious because I haven't looked into it. I mean, is that the cheapest ticket in Final Four history? Miami, I mean, well, it's, you got it. Yeah, Miami, UConn, FAU, San Diego State. It's not like you can buy a single game. You're buying them for both. But I think the Natty, Kyle, I mean, the Natty is going to be a disaster if FAU plays Miami, right? As far as ticket <laughs> sales go. How many P is that? Is it is that Reliant Stadium, right? I would assume. Yeah, it's in Houston. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How do you, how do you sell thirty percent of those tickets? How is that even possible in that type of stadium? The Miami fan base for football at this juncture is almost dead, and that was such a huge thing twenty five years ago, eighteen years ago. The basketball scene in Miami is dead. They can't even an FAU arena, three thousand, Kyle. 3,000 people can spit. They wouldn't even fill it for Miami FAU 10 years ago. They wouldn't be able to fill that 3,000 seat arena. I, I got news for you. If, if you move this game to Fort Lauderdale, Miami FAU, I can't even guarantee you a, a sellout at the Panthers, Florida Panthers arena that's located pretty much right in between the two campuses, which probably holds 18,000. I can't promise you they sell that out. How, I mean, so it's it's really unique to see what Houston's going to be like on Monday night if those two teams play. Now, UConn will be the best scenario, I think, to enter the final two because UConn has a tradition. They have a fan base that whether you're alum or not, you are so dedicated to UConn. Those New England folks, they'll come out for that game in Houston. But you you know San Diego State better than I do. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know where the loyalty is where the excitement is for the Aztecs, but it's a disaster revenue opportunity for the folks in Houston. And for those that are relying on revenue as uh, relying on, on this as a huge resource of revenue, the final four, those sponsors, imagine being a big time sponsor for this game. I mean, that's gotta hurt, but I'm just, I'm throwing out a lot of negatives and there's many positives. Listen, Cinderella is great. We all, and I say we all, but a lot of people love the Cinderella story. And it's, it's not, it's, I mean, FAU is the, I, I mean, it's, I think it's a bigger Cinderella story than VCU, maybe Mason. I'm not sure, but we've seen what happened in the final four when those, when those teams got out there. The differences between VCU and, and, and George Mason and FAU is I think this FAU team is really good. Like they have really good guards. And they have a really good center in Golden, the Russian kid. I think the FAU team is is a team that I think they can beat UConn or Miami. So it's it's just a fascinating Cinderella story that I don't want to be a part of, but I'll tune in. Yeah, and this is the thing that I I said about Gonzaga UCLA is like it had all five elements that you're looking for. You have the stakes. Obviously, all these games have stakes. You can get invested in the storylines of these are the two dominant West Coast programs of the last 20 years with history in the tournament. It was entertaining. It had action and it had drama at the end. The games are going to have stakes, and it seems like a lot of people are opting out of the storylines because... Obviously, I've got the personal connection to San Diego State. Like, there's a deep and rich story that you could point to. And Steve Fisher and everything that happened at Michigan, coming to San Diego over 25 years, taking a team that was 
0-14 in the Mountain West to then make it to not just multiple Sweet 16s, but now a Final Four with Dutcher. And I think San Diego State is going to be similar to what you were talking about with Florida Atlantic, which is San Diego is going to rally behind this, but it's going to be a lot of people who learned about the team two weeks ago that are going to be rallying behind San Diego. Like they're going to learn men's. I can still like, look, I used to love college basketball when I was like 14. I could name every player on San Diego state. The last three years, I've just like phased out college basketball from my fan width. And so I like, I can still only name like four players on San Diego State's team. I know Mensa. I know Seiko because he's been there for like five years now. I know Arop and I know Tramel who hit the. I didn't know Tramel well, until he hit the free throw on on Sat on Sunday. So like it's it's San Diego will get behind it and it's going to be fun, but it's going to be a lot of people who just joined in maybe for the Sweet Sixteen or maybe the round of thirty two that are going to be in on San Diego state and you know, maybe that maybe they do something, maybe they don't. It's going to San Diego state and Florida Atlantic have similar vibes going into this tournament, which is not a rich basketball place, San Diego or South Florida that happened to make it to the final. And people are going to get excited because it's a national championship and the stakes of that will get people interested. Yeah, I mean, I San Diego State is. I think they're a really good team. They, they, you know, the Mountain West is terrible. Which you know, what's fascinating to me is that Conference USA and the Mountain West are really bad, and their top teams are in the cha- in the Final Four. And so it's like they didn't even get the competition you would expect and needed to prepare themselves for these incredible matchups in the NCAA tournament. What I find fascinating about San Diego State is a guy you, you didn't mention. Um, is Matt Bradley, who is their best mm-hmm. player overall. And he didn't he didn't have a great Sweet 16. He didn't have a great Elite Eight. I, maybe I, I can't remember. There was one game, may have been the Alabama game, where he may have been scoreless in the first half. And to me, that just shows how good the, the coaching is and the belief in the system is that if Matt Bradley goes scoreless against Alabama, I think they were still leaning at the half against the Tide. I would have mm-hmm. bet if you if you if you said Bradley was scoreless at half, and you gave me a money line of Alabama minus something reasonable three hundred or less, I think I'd lay as much money as I can on Alabama first half money line. But yet San Diego State still wins the first half. That just shows you that this is a good team. This is a team that deserves to be you know in the Final Four because when you can beat Alabama and your leading scorer and your best player isn't isn't performing that that shows me a lot. So this is not a fluky win by San Diego state. They're really good. And FAU on the other hand, they're just faster than, than the other teams they beat. They got down the floor quicker. They're they can shoot better. So this is just a product of two teams that don't deal with NIL. They don't deal with transfers coming in and leaving after a year. This is this is a, this is a farm system that has grown over the last four years, and now what you see with these teams like George Mason and VCU, the, it just then it, it just falls apart. But at least you get that one amazing run that <laughs> everyone will talk about. We still talk about by George George Mason is in the in the final four. The Vern Lundquist call that we'll never forget against UConn. Um, what has George Mason done since that? The answer is nothing because everything <laughs> self-destructs, right? Jim Leonegger's gone and it's just like it's, even Loyola no Chicago is now dead last yeah, in their conference. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah it, 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 these teams, I don't like FAU. The problem is the culture is canceled, right? Not, not, not using a political ter- uh, term, cancel culture, but you rusty ru- their coach. Is it rusty Baker? I can't remember his name. Like uh, he's gone. Yeah. I think it's dusty. And May. He's gone. Dusty Ma'am way off. Sorry, Dusty May. I say Rusty Baker. I have no idea where I came up with that name. That just shows you how much I pay attention to, to FAU. Um, I could tell you exactly the, how to get to the campus on Glades Road, turn left on Boca Rio, but no, I can't tell you the coach's name. But um, what, he's gone. And then, you know, there, there's just – I would assume they're pretty heavy on the senior side, right? These guys have – played for three or four years in the system and it's it is what it is maybe fau will make a run in, in kusa next year but 
Um, I don't anticipate this to be more than a, a one-time thing, but then you can make the argument with Butler. Butler did it. So um, Butler's the only school that I felt you know, was able to hold on to success for a good solid five to seven years. They are a remarkable story, but they're also pl planted in basketball heaven, right? That's a big time basketball area where people care so much about the game in Indiana, not so much the case in South Florida. So I anticipate that FAU's run will come to an end uh, in this tournament. I don't think it comes to an end against San Diego State necessarily. Or I, I mean, I, I honestly like, I don't even know if UConn is a sure thing against FAU, by the way. I don't know. I think anyone can win this tournament, this semifinals. I, I'm not betting it. I'll just put that out there. I have no idea who's going to win these games. I, I really don't think, I don't think UConn should be that, fa that big of a favorite against Miami or big, a big favorite to win this whole thing. Dude, Miami and UConn are, have proven to me that they're the two best teams in this tournament so far, and they're colliding. It's actually a very good semifinals on that side. Um, we just have to accept the fact that there's no number one or two seed in there, but, man, that's these are two good teams playing great basketball right now. I agree with you on the FAU point, which is Florida Atlantic is what you might, like, we're not talking about them like a Cinderella, but they are the 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 closest thing to what we would think of as a Cinderella-type team making this type of run. San Diego State, I think, is a closer comp to Butler. And for those who don't remember, 2010, Butler was a five-seed and made the championship. Gordon Hayward, Hail Mary against Duke. Next year, they were an eight or a nine-seed and went back to the championship without Gordon Hayward. And Brad yep. Stevens left Butler to go to the Boston Celtics. Like, if you stack up San Diego State's resume against uh, UCLA or Arizona over the last 15 years. San Diego State's made three Sweet 16s, now a Final Four. They've been uh, a top five team in the country twice, the 2011 season with Kawhi and 2020, the year the tournament got canceled. Like San Diego State has a case to be in that group of behind Gonzaga for the best program on the West, second best program on the West Coast over the last, 10 to 15 years and they're about to be absorbed into the pac 12. And I think the reputational change will shift with San Diego state. Once that happens. I just like when you have a butler against a Cinderella, like I have no idea what's going to happen. And the other thing that helps San Diego State that we haven't mentioned is they're like one of the greatest teams in the country at defending the three point shot. And they happen to play three teams that take a lot of three pointers in Furman yep. and uh, Charleston and Creighton. So like they just happen to run into perfect matchups all throughout the tournament because they're such a good uh, three-point shooting defense. So I don't know what's going to happen on that San Diego State-Florida Atlantic game. I can I, I don't know whether this is the cheapest ticket in March Madness history, but I can confirm at the very least that if you want a package of tickets for three games, so the, the, the two Final Fours and the championship game on Monday, the cheapest you can get right now is $125. That's unbelievably cheap. That's and still unbelievably for, cheap. Wow. For reference, in 2021, it was the pandemic year, obviously, but in 2021, when it was UCLA, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Houston in Indianapolis, uh, for two for for just the Saturday, the tickets were around four hundred, five hundred dollars. Sure. 
And that's and that's with limited audience, perhaps in twenty twenty one. Sort that right? of. We're, I they they limited yeah. it to I think thirty thousand, but I don't I I don't think they sold all the tickets for that event either. I think there were still tickets on the market afterwards. I I think twenty one is a is a tough comparison because you also had the fear of COVID being still a major problem in this country in the spring of twenty one. But you may you may now tell me twenty two. What did you have? Do you have the twenty two numbers of how much they were? I can look that up because that would be fascinating to compare the 22 numbers with the blue bloods uh, versus what we have coming up here on Saturday night, which, I mean, I would imagine you're looking at, I would, I would think a a six or $7 ticket for the cheap seats for that (laughs) Kansas Villanova Duke Carolina. I mean, that has to be in the six or sevens Duke and Carolina. That one, Ticket prices had to be wild for that Duke Carolina game. I would imagine that might not be the best comp. First time they ever played. First time they ever played in the tournament. Yeah. And Uh, I think Villanova KU would have been still very attractive. Looks like the average ticket price was somewhere in the 400, uh, 500 range. So this is according to ESPN from April of last year. So. Average ticket price is in the $400, $500, which tops the 2019 Final Four with Virginia, Auburn, Texas Tech, and Michigan State, as well as the 2015 Final Four, which was the Frank Kaminsky, uh, I think Kentucky Wisconsin. was either undefeated. Yes. Yeah, They were undefeated and Wisconsin knocked them off. Yep. Yeah, so looks like the average ticket price being in the 400s is about the, the average for a March Madness. And this one... Uh, for just the for just the first session, you can get tickets for eighty dollars. Yeah, that's for well, Florida that's... Atlantic, SDSU, and UConn Miami. Yeah, and I, I, it's tough. It's a tough sell, all right. I mean, you know, because the local market you hope would come to the Final Four, even if you don't have a, a team affiliation. I mean, if, if if the Final Four was in Raleigh, and you know, even if it were these same four teams, it's just I would consider it but if you gave me blue bloods in raleigh for the final four that i would jump all over it at, at a price tag that you know is somewhat reasonable so it's interesting i think the business side of the final four this year is, is probably the most interesting thing to me like i would love to see the breakdown of what the projected revenues were for these sponsors the host side everybody and let's see what the actuals come out to you know next by, by tuesday of next week obviously we're not going to get th- those numbers disclosed to us but um it is it's got to be alarming to to see what revenue is coming in this year compared to last year so going back to some of the other stuff in the tournament because we haven't talked since the uh since the week before the tournament started sure. You are very in on per like Purdue should look to move on from Painter, reset the program, and while like having the greatest run in your program history end with losses to North Texas, St. Peter's, and Fairleigh Dickinson is disappointing. I was surprised that you were you were going after Painter in that program and everything that they've kind of built since that Carson Edwards Elite Eight run. Last year's team was so good. Last year's team was. Had, I mean, you, you get you get a chance to play St. Peter's in the Sweet 16. The path is there to the Elite Eight. The path is clearly there to win a national title last year, and you blow it. It is it is a travesty um, what, what Matt Painter does in the NCAA tournament. I don't care at this point if I were a, a big booster donor at Purdue. You gave us some really fun regular seasons. You gave us a couple Sweet 16s. You got to go, man. Like there's something wrong with this program and I don't want to be the guy on the couch who knows everything. I hate that. I don't want to sound like that, but I think it's pretty evident that there's a, there's a problem when this tournament starts and when, and when it, even in week two, like, what are we doing here? How, how are, how on earth does Purdue, this is an amazing stat. The last five minutes and a half in that game against Fairleigh Dickinson, Purdue did not shoot a ball that wasn't a three-pointer. And you have Zach Eady. Everyone's jacking threes. I have no idea why. I mean, they had the lead at that point, too. Why are they not getting – I don't get it. Obviously, Eady's double team made things more difficult. So the double team's on Eady, but yet your guys are just going to take lower percentage shots and jack threes. That's coaching, Kyle. That's just just incredibly stupid to me. Like – 
I, I watched this team. They could have they they could have set screen ZD's double uh, Edie's double team, drive the ball. You'd had an open lane so many times. They just didn't do it. I, I just I don't know how this doesn't happen. So yeah, I'm I'm I've been critical on Painter. And I'm critical on on Coach Drew as well at Baylor. I mean, that guy gave you a national championship, so he's set for so many years. You cannot take him away. But would you look at what Baylor has done outside of the 2021 national title? It's an embarrassment. As a, as a, they're, you know, they've been seated three or four way too frequently, and they have bowed out too soon in this dance. Baylor is loaded. That is a loaded team, and they should – they had a tough draw. Now, Creighton's a good team. Don't get me wrong. Creighton was the best six seed because I love Creighton. I've said this so many times. But they got run out of the gym. You lose on a buzzer beater. You lose by five. It's, I get it. Okay, it's okay. But th- this guy is losing way too frequently in this tournament. But he gets a pass. He's a 21 national title two years ago, so he's safe for a while. But, yeah, I think, I think Painter and Drew, um, quite disappointing. You make the argument for Tony Bennett. This UVA team... I'm sorry. Let's go back to the national championship, you know, in 19. He gets a pass for that. He wins ACC titles. But when it comes to the dance, UVA as a two seed, as a three seed, as a four seed, and of course as a one seed, um, they blow it too often. So um, it's a shame because these these kids work really hard to, to get to the, to the one line, the two line, the three line, and it all goes away with one game. That's what I guess makes March Madness special. But, yes, I'm critical more so on Painter than any coach in the country. You were big on Creighton the whole way through. You you were yeah. spot on through and through. Creighton was team. a team that probably could have, should have, would have been in the Final Four this year. They they were one of the, I would say, 10 best teams in the tournament, if not one of the, I know they made the Elite Eight, but one of the eight best teams through couldn't the score, tournament. Got, couldn't score at the end. I felt Creighton was the better team in that game for, oh, I don't know, 34 minutes of the game, 33 minutes of the game, but it doesn't matter. You know, when you go on these cold streaks against teams like San Diego State, they that's just it's so debilitating. And I I still stand – listen, Creighton was a shot away, you know, from being in the Final Four – and to me, that that I had that did not surprise me whatsoever. This is a really, really good Creighton team, and shows you that I think the Big East not getting enough credit because UConn is still dancing. Creighton was what a uh, a bucket away from still dancing in the Final Four, and you know, listen, Fugazi, Marquette. I'm sorry, never high on Marquette. <laughs> I, I I I I saw that coming from a mile away. Um, you know, so there, there's, you know, Marquette was the, the team that I just didn't understand their success. Yes, they have three really good players. I can't emphasize this enough. I say this every year in the tournament. Even San Diego State has it. FAU has it. They play, they play eight or nine guys. You have to. Miami does too. And, and Marquette doesn't. So th- those are teams that you have to fade in the NCAA tournament. Teams that rely on, a, on five or six guys. They just don't make it very often. That's what happened with UCLA. If UCLA yeah. had been healthy, they beat Gonzaga. They almost beat Gonzaga yes. anyways. They should have beat, beat Gonzaga. They should have beat Gonzaga. That that hurt me in a lot of pools. Like uh, UCLA is a better team than Gonzaga. Gonzaga is a team that doesn't play many guys either. UCLA would have if healthy, but a lot of would have, should have, right? You get hurt, you can't play them. But um, they had that game, but what a comeback by UCLA. I mean, I could not believe that they led by one after that disaster, you know, five minute stretch wasn't meant to be. What a what what a Villanova play design uh by by Gonzaga. That that was incredible. I mean, it just mirrors that Villanova win over Carolina. To pull up from the logo yeah. to be for the second time. The That's second gut- time. It's unreal. It's terrible luck. I think Adam Morrison deserves like, like a big hug. Those last two wins for Gonzaga because what he went through in that 2005 or six loss, whenever that was, was as gut wrenching as anything I've ever seen in, in the tournament when Gonzaga should have beat UCLA. Then I feel like we don't talk about enough how incredible it is that Gonzaga has basically for the last 20 years been the best program in college basketball west of yes. the Mississippi. 
Easily. It's, it's not even close. I mean, how many times has Gonzaga been in the Sweet 16 or better in, like you said, the last 20 years? They, they showed I mean, it on the broadcast. They are, they now have the third longest streak all time, only behind it was Dean Smith, North Carolina. Uh, it was Shashevsky uh, in the 90s and Gonzaga in eight straight Sweet 16s. Mark Few is the best coach in college basketball. How do you recruit to Spokane, Washington this consistently? But How not just recruiting, not just recruiting. I mean, I've looked at this. It's systematic where they used to get the, they got the Washington people, the in-state players. Then they went international and then uh, they, they got a national recruit like Timmy, who I think is from Texas, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And then they were getting the one and done players. They were getting yep. Zach Collins. They were getting Sabonis. They they got Jalen Suggs and Chet Holmgren, the two best recruits in the country, each of their classes. Like, I, it's it's incredible how they built that program, and they still play in a, in a small conference. And I would make the argument that the last decade, I know they haven't won a championship, but they've been the best program in college basketball. They are the best program, and it's I just don't see them getting the invite right to the Pac-12 because of other sports right i mean i i don't know how their olympic sports are but with with no football i just you just can't get that invite right there there were whispers that the the big 12 was sniffing around gonzaga i don't know if that's ever going to happen but it was uh, yeah i I think i don't think it's going to work the kennel is also really small right so when you go to that arena versus the standards of ku and baylor in Texas, you know, it's just tough. Like the dynamic of Gonzaga, that small Jesuit private school in the Pacific Northwest. Gosh, I mean, I, I just don't even see how it fits in the Pac-12. I mean, it's just it's just not meant to be based on where what they have to offer outside of men's basketball. And even that, that I mean, the program is the best, but it just doesn't mirror what you get at Poly Pavilion or all these other venues, in my opinion. So uh, it's fine. You know, let, let Gonzaga stay where they are and run through their conference. And I guess we'll keep seeing them in these situations for years to come. I would hope so. I mean, it's incredible that they've been as good as they have the last decade. And I know they just got like the brakes beat off them by UConn. And that's like the end of that run for them. But like going back to, I mean, it's weird that it's been six years since they were in the national championship with uh was it Karnuski and uh all those guys at gonzaga uh i I forgot the point guard's name now who was in the um he was in the g league for a little bit but for uconn no for gonzaga back when they made the championship back in uh what was it 2017 or something oh against uh against they lost to carolina in the finals is that right yeah 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 yes yes Um, um Gosh, I can't remember their their guards, but you're right. Yeah, I I, fr- I know. I, I remember. I, I, I remember Karnuski just because he's Karnuski, the seven foot yeah. one Polish guy yes. who just would dunk yes. on everyone. But oh I man, mean, I forgot who their guards were. Yeah, uh, I think there was a Noel maybe in there. Uh, but uh, the point being, like they, it's been six years since that, and they've only been you know losing in the Sweet Sixteen is their most disappointing season. Like they've been to multiple Final Last Fours. Year. Number yeah. one overall seed last year, right? Losing to Arkansas, and that was a that was a devastating loss for them. But you know what's weird though, Kyle, is that Gonzaga, when they lose in the tournament, the last several losses they've had, boy, they get beat up really good. Arkansas beat them up really good. Connecticut beat them up good. But the one that stands out was the national title game where I went to bed mm-hmm. or I started putting on Netflix against Baylor. That was the worst game I've ever seen. And that was uh, an undefeated team. They were going to be the first yeah. undefeated champion in 50 years, and they lost by they were down like 20 at halftime. Yeah, I feel like if you figure them out early, like you know, like, I guess that's what well, UCLA did. UCLA was up how much at half? Um, UCLA, you know, were, I, it was it was 13? either 11 or 13, but they, 13 they scored point 46 game. points. Yeah, I mean, I guess my point is like if you figure out Gonzaga early. And you break their spirits. Um, but, you know, UConn only had a seven-point lead at the half. So, I, I don't know. I didn't even I didn't watch the second half of UConn-Gonzaga. I, I fell asleep. Uh, but it's fascinating the losses they've had, 
when they do lose in the tournament, they get run out. So uh, I guess that's one negative on Mark Few is like when you lose, you lose royally bad. What are what are some of the other great stories from the tournament that have kind of been washed away, but we'll remember about them when one shining moment comes up? Uh, oh, there's, yeah. uh, I mean, we talked about Virginia briefly, but man, the ending to that Furman Virginia Furman, game Furman, was just Furman, incredible. Virginia game was that's the stupidest ending I've ever seen. Um, from a guy <laughs> from a guy that doesn't make stupid mistakes, the stupidest play in the I was about to say the stupidest play in the history of the NCAA tournament. That's probably extreme. I'll throw in top five ridiculous moments in NCAA tournament history. Not only did Kia Clark make a major mistake by just throwing it up for grabs with that amount of time left, he had a timeout, Kyle. Where's the where's the thought process there? Would when was this addressed in inside the huddle? Hey, if you get in trouble, call a timeout. I hope that was addressed. And if it wasn't, then that's a major liability for for Coach Bennett. That was a disaster play. That's that moment probably sticks out the most. I think FAU Memphis sticks out really high for me. That was incredible. That mm-hmm. ending. Uh, Penny Hardaway throwing the water bottle at the end of the game. I mean, terrible officiating. So you could easily make an argument that those are the top two moments of the tournament, in my opinion. I can, I'm trying to think of anything else. <laughs> I'll was... throw out one that wasn't a moment. So uh, first round of March Madness was in Sacramento this year. So I went yes. to the first two games. And it, by the way, two, two, a two session, two game session cost $10. That's, that's <laughs> not a lot of money. That's not a lot. No, of money. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. high school tournaments cost more money than yes. that for that's incredible. That's those incredible. first sessions. And, uh, so I got to be there and at halftime of, I think it was Missouri and Utah state, they put the Furman UVA finish on the board. And so it was like 12,000 people yelling when Furman right. hit that shot. Um, I, I can say forever. I got to be there when a 15 seed Arizona, yeah, Arizona, from the yeah. Ivy league won while shooting 16% from the three point line. Princeton yeah, won a is- game as a 15 seed shooting four of 25. That is an inexcusable loss. And that is, that's, it wasn't Princeton that you just alluded to. Princeton didn't even play good basketball. I mean, I, they played Arizona good defense. They, they played, yeah, play good they played defense, good yeah. defense, not good offense. Just, Arizona was another pretty much Fugazi team. I think they were seated somewhat correctly because they won the Pac-12 tournament. So where else are you going to put them? I mean, you could put him on the three line and give the, maybe, I don't know, maybe Baylor that two seed or I don't know. Gonzaga, I mean, maybe. State. Gonzaga, maybe. Maybe Gonzaga, the two seed there instead of Zona. Um, but there really wasn't a place for Arizona anywhere lower than a three. And you could have made an argument that they deserved the two by beating UCLA. But that's a bad conference, right? So, Well, Arizona you know, was ranked six overall. They, they did the they one were, through yeah, 16 yeah, eight thing. Yeah, and I, again, they were... I think I said on your pod the two days before the tournament, like, I think Zona's properly seated. I just didn't think they were a great, unbelievable team. Last year's team was better and just as disappointing, right? Um, we're losing in the Sweet 16. So um, the Princeton lost, yeah, it was shocking. But at the same time, you know, you look back at other games, I would say St. Peter's over UK was much more shocking than Princeton versus Arizona because I think if UK 2022 played Arizona 2023 on a neutral court, I would make that line probably UK minus five and a half, six. I think that UK team was vastly better than, than Arizona. Um, and I thought the K-State-Kentucky game, by the way, was really exciting. To watch that was a great back and forth game until Kentucky just couldn't do anything the last three minutes. Mm-hmm. Kentucky easily so, could have been in the final four this year. Easily could have easily, been in the final easily. four. Yeah, they and that's you know Calipari. I mean, come on now, you know where where are we at with Calipari? I well, they I, don't I, like him. I, I mean, what, <laughs> they they're just stuck with one him. title. <laughs> yeah, I mean Calipari's had. A lot of talent to only raise one national title. So you, you got to be a little frustrated with Calipari in Lexington at this point. 
Yeah, they hadn't made the tournament. I think because the COVID year, they hadn't made the tournament more than once in like the last five years or something. And they're just kind of like, well, we can't get rid of them. So we're just kind of in this. They're in the Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M state right now. That's what I'd call it. Yes. Yep. Yeah, they're right. It's a good, good comparison with the two sports. Yeah. That. So did Michigan State end up being the best Big Ten team at the end of the day? I think so. I, I, I think that Michigan State had – what a game that was. Kansas State, I mean, that, they, they've played some really, really fun games this tournament, right? I think Michigan State was the best Big Ten team in this tournament. I think that you cannot give that – Indiana, come on. That was a disaster against Miami. That just shows you how good Miami really is. The blowout Indiana, that's impressive. It's not Purdue. It's, cle- it's clearly Michigan State. And I said this on your pod about a month ago. Michigan State plays a massive roster. They can sub in at any time, unlike Purdue, okay? Unlike Illinois, unlike Michigan. And I'm not even throwing out good Big Ten teams with Illinois Michigan, but Michigan State and Iowa, and Iowa was a really surprising blowout loss to Auburn, in my opinion, because they have a lot of guys that can come onto the floor. But Michigan State has the best top to bottom roster. And I said this over Northwestern, over Maryland. Both of those teams, I'm happy for them. They both got through the first round. I think that was good for those two programs, Northwestern and Maryland. But going back, Michigan State was the best team in the Big Ten, even though they got blown out by Ohio State in the Big Ten championships. They fell apart against Iowa. They should have won that game against K-State. Should have, would have, could have. But I love that team. I love what I saw with that team. I love that they have eight or nine guys that can come onto the floor and play against anybody in the country. It just it just wasn't their night at the end. It was just K-State just made ridiculous three-point shots to win that game. Noel ended up having 19 assists in the Michigan State game, which yep. was just incredible. I got into that game kind of right around overtime, or I think it was maybe the end of regulation or something. So I got like the end of it and I was kind of catching up on everything that was going on. I was like, wow, this was this was like the most entertaining. I mean, Gonzaga UCLA was probably the most entertaining game of the tournament, but this was right up there in terms it's number of like, two. Yep. Yep. It's number yeah. two behind UCLA Gonzaga. Yep. I agree. And it's just seemed like a thoroughly enjoy. It seems like the Sweet 16 produced some thoroughly enjoyable basketball games. And, you know, maybe maybe the quality of, well, San Diego State's going to muck it up because they, they, they will play 56-50 in basketball and 17-10 to 10 in football. That's just San yep. Diego State's thing. <laughs> but the the most entertaining games did come with teams that just all happened to get bounced out of the tournament in the Elite Eight or obviously losing in the Sweet 16. Because even that Miami-Houston game was really interesting for a while. I know Miami blew the brakes off of them at the end, but that game was super interesting until Houston just like ran out of gas at the end. Yeah, I mean, Houston's yet another team that just, you know, you're going to run out of gas when you rely on two or three great players and you don't have a ton of faith in your bench. And I uh, I also think I, I was going to talk about the te- Texas Longhorns. I mean, this team is just so soft. I've said this before on your pod. I mean, they should have beat Miami. They really should have. They they did not play strong basketball at the end of that game. They were they were taking too many perimeter shots. They could have drove to the lane more. They could have played stronger defense. Texas is a team. Teams in the elite day. Maybe Kansas State, ironically, the Big 12, because Kansas State, when they were up seven against FAU, I thought it was curtains for the for the Owls. I thought this the run is over. K-State finally has the three-possession lead with about eight minutes to go. And now if they can just maintain that seven to 11-point lead for the next four minutes, it's over. But Texas should have beat Miami because Texas, they, they, they got away – from what they were doing before. Yes, they were hitting great. They were, they were drilling. This is a team that could have bullied Miami a little bit more inside because Miami's not that big. Miami's got great guards. They got three incredible guards. And if you can bully them down low and frustrate them, uh, at least create foul situations to get the line, Texas blew that game more so than Kansas State blew the FAU game. I think the Longhorns... Uh, I think they are the best team that was left in the final eight. I really do. I feel like Texas was Texas for to lose 
um, so I have now confirmed and I, I had not thought about this until you brought it up I did not realize that Virginia had a timeout left when he threw the ball away against Furman I, I did not realize yeah, that they, they could have just called timeout it's an egregious thing it's an egregious thing and I know if the blame is on Tony Bennett or Keith Clark if Keith Clark was told in the huddle we have a timeout. Use it. And he did it. You got to put the blame on the your senior. If nobody described that, like Michigan, North Carolina in 1993, where Chris Weber claims that nobody told him, but, you know, the other side, you know, ironically, your guy, Coach Fisher from San Diego State, timeouts, no timeouts. So, is is you know, obviously there are two different components to this. A timeout wasn't used when it should have and vice versa in Michigan, North Carolina in 1993. I mean, the, the, the game, I know I lost you there for a second, but um, my, my point being was the game's over if he calls a timeout. Essentially, it's over with five seconds left likely, and they go to the free throw line after running a new play and, and hopefully getting fouled and getting the ball in without, without turning it over. But hey, it wasn't meant to be. This is Virginia, man. This is Virginia in a nutshell. They, they blow games in this tournament outside of their 2019 uh, you know, national championship. So one more thing that's kind of a joke, but also kind of not. Very quietly, is Arkansas the best SEC basketball program now? Well, in the sample size of the post-pandemic, Arkansas is the most reliable team in the NCAA tournament. I, I think that in the body of work, the last three years, it's probably Tennessee. But yeah. Rick Barnes in the NCAA tournament is just a disaster. I mean, to to they they should have beat FAU. Come on, yeah, this year was right? especially bad. They yeah, there's no reason they should have lost. I that was one because I was someone who's always like the the Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, Jordan Bone Tennessee team probably should have won a national championship or made a Final Four. But I was someone who's like, oh, it can't be Rick Barnes chokes in the tournament. When they lost to FAU this year, I was like, okay, I'm starting to understand the Rick Barnes crowd of like always oh, comes terrible. up short in the tournament. Yeah, and I don't get it. Like, I mean, is it is it just is it is it that bad of coaching or is it just your players or are this one this pressure? one was just I don't they they had that game won. They were better than FAU and played better than FAU and just lost because FAU like hit a bunch of three pointers at the end and Tennessee just had nothing. I I don't know how they lost that game. They they had FAU beat the whole way. They were clearly a better team. I don't know how they lost that game. Oh man, it's it's a disaster. It really is. Um that's Rick Barnes. You know, what else can you say? You got you got you got some coaches that just completely collapsed in the NCAA tournament. And um it's a shame for these fan bases that invest a lot of time and money into their programs and you just sometimes have to accept it i've accepted that um nc state really doesn't choke a ton they just don't deliver to to, to have a chance to choke a ton so <laughs> you know it's just you're damned if you do damned if you don't but the must bus keeps delivering at arkansas the thing that i thought yes. was funny is um that that jordan davis the point guard for arkansas who's like got a, a bald head and um, he kind of became a hero after they beat Kansas because he was the one like jumping on the table and celebrating afterwards. Uh, I couldn't believe that <laughs> that's a freshman. That man looks like he's one of those 27 year olds playing college basketball. That dude yeah. is a freshman. And, and I have a feeling if Arkansas keeps making these runs, he's going to be like the new Luke May where it's like, God, he's been at college for like 17 years <laughs> and uh, Arkansas is now what two elite eights, a sweet 16 and multiple number one seeds going down at the hands it's of Arkansas the last three years. Incredible run. Yeah. I mean, that can another game you mentioned another game that was incredible. We, we probably tend to forget to forget that KU Arkansas ending. What a game that was. Uh, KU had every chance to win. Arkansas had every chance to win. And the, the, uh, you could say the, better team prevail perhaps i don't know but one thing that is incredible is that the big 12 although they did have two teams in the quarterfinals 
pretty much underwhelming in this tournament with WVU going out round one. I think they were up, what, 47 to three in the first 10 minutes of that game, it felt like, <laughs> and they still lost. I mean, it was ridiculous. They went, I mean, Maryland came back, I think, down 20 uh, very early. I think it was like a 24 to four lead by West Virginia. And then you got to be disappointed with Baylor's effort. You got to be disappointed that Kansas lost as a number one seed in the second round. Um, Iowa State. Big, Iowa State got, I mean, come on. You talk about being down 20 early. Iowa State was down 24-4 as well. It was crazy. Um, overall, very disappointing tournament for the Big 12. And it really kind of cemented itself with disappointment when K-State has that seven-point lead against FAU with eight to go. And Texas was up, what, 13 with about eight to go against Miami. So the Big 12, while they have celebrated national titles the last two seasons and pretty good tournament appearances, this was not a good tournament for the Big 12. Yeah, can't win them all. He got <laughs> Baylor 2021 wins it all. Kansas 2022 wins it all. Texas Tech was uh, in overtime of the championship yes. game in 2019. Just Incredible run. Yeah. Can't win them all, Big 12. Can't win them all. Razor, I appreciate you coming on. Always a pleasure to talk college basketball with you. I'll be rooting. <laughs> Maybe you'll be rooting on your hometown Owls, just as I'll be rooting on my hometown San Diego State team, even though both of us can probably name a combined five players on the two teams. Yeah. I hope that yeah. we enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will pull for FAU because it's where I grew up. I was born and raised in that area. And it is a cool story. Um, my prediction is I think Miami wins the national title. I really do. Um, wow. I, I think Miami I think Miami beats UConn. And I, I think they're deeper than UConn, Kyle. I really do. Um, you know, if they can figure out a way to frustrate Sonogo, that's the critical thing. And I just trust Jim Lanegra. I mean, I just think he's the best coach in the field right now. Um, as far as San Diego State FAU goes, I, I'm looking for – um, a South Florida final. I, I, I really think that FAU is a, a team that is capable of winning. But like I said with the College of Charleston, uh, they will struggle if San Diego State slows them down with their speed, and maybe that will be the case for FAU, who's really be – they're better than the College of Charleston. They're, they're a deeper team. They, they have a, a big man that's probably uh, one of the top, top, top eight big men in, in, in the country right now, and Golden, the Russian guy. Um, I, I just have a feeling that this FAU team is just they're uh, they're playing loose, they're playing unstoppable uh, basketball right now. When it counts, like they are making shots every game. When it counts, the Memphis game, the K State game, the Tennessee game, they when it counted, right? The last six minutes, just dominating these teams. So I I like FAU slightly over San Diego State. I like both underdogs here. So. Uh, I, I think both underdogs have a chance to prevail, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if it's UConn versus San Diego State. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, watch it, some, you know, and, and, and embrace what where we're at right now, which is a sad moment for, I think, a lot of us. This is the conclusion of college sports. Unless you're a baseball fan, you know, this is it. You know, you're better, you better enjoy uh, baseball because that's that's in the NBA. And it's that's to me, that's it's over for me. You know, I'm not a huge MLB guy early on in the season. I always say if you're betting MLB in uh, April, May, June, you you might as well just throw darts because it's just impossible to handicap much easier towards the end of the season. I understand that part of it. And also, I'm going to be really confused when San Diego's holding up a championship trophy at the end of the week. It's going to make would be no great. sense at all. Well, it could happen. It very well could happen. In your case, I hope it does. And, you know, Kyle, this may be, you know, this may be one of the last shows for a while. You know, my, my run is, uh, is, is up as a, uh, you know, we, you know, we don't really dive into MLB towards the playoffs. So, uh, always appreciate coming on the show. It's been a heck of a run, uh, this winter and spring talking NFL and, and college hoops. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just always, it's always just, this is, we're so lucky to have this. So I just want to throw that out and thank you always for your time and letting me come on your pod. Always much appreciated Razor. A fantastic year three of March Madness here going through Take It Easy podcast stuff. And uh, I always appreciate the conversations. We'll, we'll reconvene around NFL draft time. How about that? We, we've there still got go. NFL draft stuff coming up. <laughs> 
We do. I, you know, I always forget about that because, like, I go in depression mode here when the final four hits. I'm like, <laughs> what do I have to look forward to? And then yeah, NFL draft appears, and you're like, okay, we got some football chat here in a couple in a couple weeks. So that's cool. Yeah, love to join you then. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done